We are the Royce family, and so I just wanted to introduce you guys officially, and, and uh, we're called to be missionaries, and my wife and I are one flesh, and we're called to go together, and uh, she's not going to get up here and say anything to you tonight. She's got to take care of the kids and, and stuff like that, but we're in one mind, you know, and that's a good thing. I, I wouldn't want to go to the mission field as a man of God with a wife that wasn't ready, you know what I mean, and vice versa. And so my wife is ready to go to the mission field, and we've been preparing so hard. We've been working hard over the last two years. We've been working very hard on becoming missionaries, adjusting our life, making big, big changes. And uh, so she's worked very diligently behind the scenes helping. And, uh, and so along with her and I being one flesh together, we also have those beautiful kids, you know, and they're a big part of the mission work. They're going to be our help. You know, Jocelyn's 11. She's big enough to help. Amen. True, it's eight. He's big enough to help too, amen? Especially when it comes to construction, right guys? We like to sweat. Yeah, they're saying yes, but I know. Yeah, I know. But God's going to use us in a mighty way. God has called us to do something very special. God calls all of us to do something special in our lives. When we follow his plan, when we follow his purpose, when we listen to his voice, when we do what he says, he's got good plans for us. He's got good plans for you, and he's got good plans for us as we go to the country of Spain, a country that we've never been to, but I heard the voice of God. I saw a vision. I know for sure that God's calling me to go to this city in Spain called Granada, and he spoke to my wife about it too, and that's enough. That's enough. Not going blind, not picking a country and saying, I think I should go there, but once you hear the voice of the Lord, and you know, thus saith the Lord, God has told me, God has chosen me, God has called me. And he speaks to you specifically about something. You got something to go with, amen? You got something to go with when you hear the voice of God in your life. And so we've got something to go with, and it's this call to go and be full-time missionaries, to sell and leave everything that we've ever acquired behind, and to go to a place that we've never been. Abraham did the same thing, and it was simple to him because he heard the voice of God. He knew what God was telling him to do. Jonah, on the other hand, had another opportunity to hear the voice of God and do something but he ran the wrong direction, right? And so we're just trying to do our best to follow God, to listen to his voice, because he's got places to go and he's got things to do for us. And so I want to say again, thank you for letting me come. Thank you for the opportunity. You all have a beautiful church here. I've driven by on the highway a few times and never knew much about it, but when I heard uh, Pastor Josh at that convention, I uh, wanted to connect with him and just tell him about what we're doing. And so for two years, we've been doing that very thing. We were called out of an American lifestyle, if you can follow me with that for a minute. We were called out of something to go be foreign missionaries. We're selling our house. We're selling the best cars that we've ever had. We're selling everything that we ever had in our kitchen, everything that our kids had in their bedrooms, because it's all got to go. When you're moving across the country, it's got to go. But God is calling us out of an American lifestyle that we're used to. But listen, nothing is worth choosing in opposition to what God's calling you to do. A lot of people in America, they would look at somebody who sold their stuff. They would look at somebody who moved to a foreign country. They would look at somebody who took their kids to a place other than the United States of America, and they would wonder if they were sane, right? They would wonder, why would you give up? I mean, we live in the most blessed, amazing nation on the face of the earth, and they would wonder, why would you do that? 
But for us who love God and for us who read the Bible, like Pastor said, we know that God has a heart for missionaries. We know that God has a heart for mission work. And the reason why God has a heart for that is because God has a heart for the souls of every person, man, woman, boy, and girl. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Every single person on the face of the earth is loved by God. He has a plan for their life. He has a purpose for their life. And that's why God is pro-mission work. Can you say amen? God loves each and every person in the foreign country just as much as he loves you. And of course, we know that we have to have outreach and evangelism here and mission work here, even locally. But for others, they're called to go to a faraway place. And that's okay, too. That's what God has been calling us to do. And so a few of the things that we've done are on a video that I'm going to ask these guys to queue up. And it's going to take a few minutes, and there's a nice song with it, but it'll show you a little bit about our life, a little bit about our animals, a little bit about our stuff that we've done in preparation to go to the mission field, a little mission trip that we went to uh, to Costa Rica and El Salvador, spent time counseling with other missionaries, spent time pouring concrete the hard way in Costa Rica where you have to mix it by hand. So we spent time doing some things. Well, that gives you a little bit of a view of what we did over this last two years of transition when we started this. We were so green. Not green in Christianity, thank the Lord, but we were just green to mission work. I didn't have a plan when I was in Bible school to be a missionary someday. I couldn't understand why anybody would be called to move to a foreign country. I remember hearing about people when I was a young man being called to take their family to the mission field, and I thought they must dance to a different beat. <laughs> they must march to a different drum because I don't understand. I never understood what, why. I understood why, but I didn't understand how. Because it's hard. When you're not called to be a missionary, you shouldn't try to think what it's like to be a missionary. When you're not called to be a pastor, you don't think like a pastor. So when God calls you, of course, then he begins to change your heart. He begins to change your mind. He begins to adjust you, making you what you ought to be. So we didn't have a plan to become missionaries in the future. And so when God began to call us and tell us what to do, we had to make a lot of adjustments. And that's why you saw the vehicles that we had, you know. I would have had paid off vehicles if I knew I was going to be a missionary, you know, in the future. But, of course, we didn't. So we just sold them, you know, and moved on. It's okay. And then when we didn't have vehicles anymore, God provided some for us to drive and borrow because he's a provider. Amen? God provides you what you need. If you need finances, God provides. He helps. If you need food, he helps. He provides. And if you need a vehicle because you're a missionary that sold your stuff... He provides. He's a provider in many ways. Sometimes we think monetary only, but he's a provider in so many ways. He can give you joy when you're down. Amen? He can break the chains off of your life. He's a provider in so many ways. And so in that video, you saw that in Costa Rica, we did some concrete construction the hard way, like I said. And that's what I've always known as a career, as an as a adult. Um, I've always known concrete construction, put in a lot of basements, done a lot of retaining walls, screeded concrete for miles, you know, been over pulling that board. And so that's what I've done, and I loved it because God told me to do it. When I was a young man, 18 years old, God said, start a concrete construction business, and I did it, and I went with it. And it allowed us to get married. It allowed us to have these four beautiful kids. It allowed us to be a very functional part of our church. It allowed us to do street ministry on the weekends and river ministry in the summer and all kinds of different things that God was calling us to do when we were much younger. I'm in my 30s now, and so I look back at my 20s and think when I was younger, okay? You guys know what I'm saying? When I was younger, back in the 20s. Uh, but anyway, 
We've done all that stuff, and isn't it neat? You know, you guys have been in a time in your life when you look back. We all look back through the years. But, you know, the, God, the Word of God says that God uses all things together for our good, for them that are called according to His purposes. Can I get an amen? God will use all things together for your good. And we look at going into the foreign mission field at the, so many of the things that we've done in our life, the street evangelism, the small group stuff, being a board member and learning how church functions and how kind of that stuff operates, being a Sunday school teacher, doing all of these different things as a part of the body of Christ were preparation. I didn't know for the mission field, and they're not only preparation for the mission field, but for everything God calls me to do in the future. But all those things were preparation spiritually. And then in the workplace with the concrete construction and all of the things I've done, remodeling houses and mostly doing concrete construction, I've learned so much about that. And God's going to use it for the benefit of the kingdom on the mission field. Amen? If you know something about construction, you can save money got some guys that probably know what I'm talking about, right? If you know what you're doing in construction, if you want to flip a house or remodel something and you know what you're doing, you can save money. And so we want to be careful and we want to be diligent and we want to do what God's calling us to do on the mission field and he'll use every part of our life to fulfill his purposes and his callings moving forward. So I'm thankful for where God has brought me and I'm thankful where God's taken me in the future. Can I get an amen? Are you thankful for where God's taken you in the future? You know, the Word of God is clear. The Word of God is clear, and from the prophets of old to the New Testament to the prophets today, we know that our future can be better than our past. We know that. We know that the God that we serve is always on the move. He's always seeking and saving the lost. He's always rising up evangelists. He's always rising up missionaries. He's always calling new people. He's always setting at liberty those who are captive. He's always, always, always on the move. He's always on the hunt. He's looking for people that will give their life to them. To him. He's looking for people that are willing to say no to sin and yes to his righteous ways. He's looking for people to not just say a prayer, but to make him Lord and to change their life. He's looking for people to save. We know that the book of, that the book of Romans says that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, don't glory in that, but be thankful that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we need lots of people to have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Russian names, African names, Spanish names, American names, young people names, old people names, all kind of names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we've got to keep our focus on the matters at hand of the harvest that we have available in our life. The harvest that we have available in our life. Each and every one of us are called to take part in the harvest. Jesus said in one place, he said, look up, for the fields are wide into the harvest. They're ready to be harvested. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth the laborers. Why? Because you need laborers to take in a harvest. And so Jesus is always concerned about the souls of men. I heard a man say one time, if you'll focus on the harvest, God will take care of your needs. And we know the value of accepting Jesus in our life. We know the value of him being Lord. We know that something specific happened in our lives the day we met Jesus. Something changed. The Apostle Paul was changed in a mighty way on the road to Damascus. And he said, behold, the old things have passed away and all things have become new. And I don't consider the life before have, as having any value. He called it dung. And we too have experienced that life-changing thing. 
that renewal of salvation, knowing that you don't have to go to a devil's hell, knowing that you don't have to go to the lake of fire that consumeth not, knowing that you serve a loving God that sent his son Jesus to the cross and died a death so that you could have new life. We know those things. And that knowledge that we have, that thing that we received that day when salvation came in, when the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to our life, that thing that happened is for everyone. It's for every person. It's for your grandkids. It's for, it's for your great-grandkids. It's for your parents. It's for your aunts. It's for your uncles. Salvation through Jesus Christ alone. And tonight I want to tell you, as a reminder probably for some of you, but for some of you, it may be the first time that you ever thought about the fact that there are some people here in America and moreover in the foreign lands that had never heard the name of Jesus. When I was a boy, you wouldn't have got that past me. I was in the church when I was in diapers, right? Many of you have the same testimony. We grew up knowing about Jesus. We grew up knowing about Pentecost. We grew up hearing about people praying in tongues, hearing people praying in tongues. We remember men of God, men of God standing in the gap. We remember women of God praying over young babies to be healed and whole. We remember men and women of faith in our life, and we remember hearing about Jesus. But there are so, so many people in this world that we live in that never heard about him. They never heard one single thing about Jesus. They don't know that there's an answer. When I used to do a lot of street evangelism, I'd go out and literally the majority of the people that I would ever talk to on a college campus, in a bar district, wherever God told us to go, the far majority knew about Jesus. And when they would walk up to you and they saw the cross, they knew what that cross represented. But they, knowing the truth, chose to turn from it, chose to not submit their life to God, chose to not, not make him Lord, chose to not live a new life in Christ. They chose not to. And we've got to remember, if we're going to think about missions, we've got to remember that there is a sea of people far bigger than what exists in this country. A sea of people that have never heard this message that we know. They've never heard the good news. They never heard about what Jesus did. They never heard about it. But thank God there are missionaries going out. Thank God this country that we live in has read scripture and trusted God and sent missionaries out into the uttermost parts of the world. They go to Africa. Amen. Give the Lord praise. They go to Africa. They go to Europe. They go to Russia. They go to Australia. They go to South America. They go to Central America and they go to Galena. They go to Joplin. People are on a mission all over the world doing stuff for Jesus Christ. And so as incredibly important and valuable as it is to accept Jesus into your life, we Pentecostals know that that's not the end of the story for the Christian, right? We know that there's something that happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. We know that there's a life, an abundant life, for those who will live in Christ. And we know that there's something called the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked to his disciples about. And he said to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I don't want to leave you behind. These, these disciples were the saddest probably that they had ever been when they realized that Jesus was leaving. Can you imagine? They were, they had the coolest job you could ever imagine. They walked with Jesus. They saw this man do, this God do amazing things. And yet he was telling them that he was going to leave and he said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will what? I will send you the Holy Spirit. 
And we know that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to the Father, he said, go and wait until you're endued with power. And that power is something very important. Very important for the world at large. Very important for this church. Thank God for Pentecostal churches. Very important for the cities around us. Very important for the needs that we have. You know, you can get in a time in the presence of God and tongues are flowing and the, and the Lord is moving and we had it here tonight and you can get in those moments and you can get in those times and God will change your life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues is a life-changing experience. If you didn't think it was, I'd question what happened. But it's a life-changing experience, something that our God... Jesus Christ knew that we would need. And so we go to Spain carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ with a message that's important, but we also carry a message about what happened in Acts chapter 2, about some value that can be added to your life, about a gift that comes from our Heavenly Father that's precious and amazing, about something that can change, that you can have something living on the inside of you that will change you. You remember what it's like when the Holy Spirit came in? You remember what it was like when he changed you? You remember what it was like when old things passed away and you wondered, how could I have ever thought like that? But you know that there's this new holy thing that lives inside of you, cleaning you up, showing you what's right in your life, showing you what you need to do. And so when we go into the foreign mission field, we go with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's salvation to all who will believe. But we also go with a message that God wants to fill you all the way full with the Holy Spirit, and that God wants to change your life in a way in which you never could have even imagined. When I was a young man, I heard about the Holy Spirit. I saw people get baptized with the Holy Spirit at youth camp, at revival, and at regular church, and whatever. We've seen it, right? But you don't know what it's like until you get it. Can I get an amen? You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it feels like until you have God come inside your life. When that beautiful presence comes in and makes a change in your corrupt heart and that old nastiness that you had was broken away and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you never knew what it was like. And so we take that too. We take that to the people of the world because they need it. Amen? They need it. They need knowledge. Jesus Christ is so very important and he really is the answer to the world's problem. Can I get an amen? He's the answer to the world's problem the same way he was the answer to your problem and to everybody else's problem around. You might say, brother, brother, you're taking those kids and you're taking your wife and you're doing this thing. But I'm going to tell you, people wonder about our safety. People wonder about our security. People wonder about our mission. But I can tell you for a 100% fact that my wife and I are called to do what God has told us to do. And we would be far more in fear of danger if we were to choose to walk a different path. And I know the God that I serve is full able to protect me. Full able to take care of my children. And he will. Full able to take care of every need that we have. And he will. Because that's the God I serve. I don't serve a God that I heard about when I was a young man. I serve a God that came into my life and changed me. When I was a teenager, when I was 17, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I've never been the same, and I'm never going to be the same. But I can tell you that prior to my life when I was 17, and I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, I was different. It wasn't good. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so we take that message, and we trust God. 
And I don't serve him because I read about it. I don't serve him because I heard about it. But I serve him because I know him. I serve him because he loves me. I serve him that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He gave it all up. What am I giving up? Nothing. He gave it all up. And I serve him because I love him. I take this gospel to the world because I love them too. They are in need of a mighty touch of God. And so look in Mark chapter 16. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 28. I like that one better. Matthew chapter 28, we find the Great Commission. And if there's any question in our mind whatsoever, why would we send anybody to a foreign mission field? Jesus will answer it right here. He's looking at his disciples who are no doubt stricken with grief. And they're, t- they're so sad. They've been through it all. They watched the best thing happen that could ever happen when Jesus walked on this earth for three years. They watched him be crucified on the cross, which was terrible. Many of them left. They couldn't even watch it. But they watched this happen. And then three days when they were running for their lives, they saw him come back. He came back to them later, and he saw, they got to see a best friend again. They got to see their Savior again. And now all of a sudden, something's about to happen, and he's about to leave again. And so we find Jesus being so perfect in what he would say and what he would do and how he would say it and who he would say it to. He's perfection in every area, choosing to say these things before the ascension. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, he says, The eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And verse 18 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 is where we catch our key thought here. Go, therefore. You hear a lot of missionaries saying, I've been sent to go. They say the word go a lot in Scripture. If you hear about somebody talking about how we're supposed to go, it probably came from right here, where Jesus gives clear instruction to his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples, disciplined believers of all nations. Convert them, yes, sure. Make make sure that they believe. Make sure that you present the gospel. But make disciplined believers like yourselves of all nations. Make a difference. So he tells them to go therefore, not back into Jerusalem, not back into Samaria, not back into any region, but he tells them to go to all nations. That's where we find the call to be missionaries. And we look at the life of Paul and we look at what he did. He was busy. After he spent time with the Lord, he came back and he got busy being about his father's business. Just like us, Paul was about his father's business. We're no different. We need to be about the work of the kingdom. We need to be about the work of what Jesus said to do. And so go therefore and make disciples of all nations falls upon the shoulders of each and every Christian in the world today. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
The question is, what role do you play in fulfilling the Great Commission? Each and every one of you, like I said earlier, I think, is called to something. Called by God to do something, to be something, to make a difference, to make a change, to reach people. But the question is, what part of your life will help fulfill the Great Commission? For Crystal and I and our four kids, the part of our life that helps fulfill the Great Commission moving forward is going to a foreign country. Going to a place that's so very underreached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you a little bit about Spain. It's not good, but I'll tell you because it's good that we're going. Amen? But Spain is a country that a lot of people are very uninformed about. It's part of Europe, and if you're looking at a map of Africa, if you look straight on the north side of Africa, you'll find the Mediterranean Sea, and right above that's Europe. And we think of Europe, we think, I want to go to France someday, right? But that's Europe, okay? Right above Africa. And on the left side, or the west side, is this small country named Spain. Spain has Portugal to its west and France to its east. Spain's the country that 500 years ago, Columbus was sent by their queen to come find the new world, and that's why we exist today, okay? That's the country of Spain. But on a spiritual level, Spain is full of darkness. Full of darkness. And to its country, to its south in Africa, you can look at any country in Africa, and they will easily have tens of thousands of millions more converts to Jesus Christ than the country of Spain. A lot of people feel like Europe is a reached place. They're reached because people lump in Catholicism and Christianity all together. And so all throughout Spain you'll find huge Catholic churches because the queen 500 years ago made Catholicism their religion and so they're big, big Catholic. 90% of the people in the city of Granada that we're going to are Catholic. The other 10% are Muslim. So 90 and 10 is like 100, right? And so of that 350,000 people, you find 90% being Catholic, and they're Catholic through their culture, 10% being Muslim, and of that 350,000 people, less than 1,000 evangelical Christians. Less than a thousand evangelical Christians that sit in a place just like this and hear the things that you hear, that know the things that you know, okay? That read the Bible the way that we read it. Less than a thousand people. Can you imagine? And of that less than a thousand people, there's only eight or ten churches in a city of 350,000 people. When I say Spain is a very underreached Place for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you understand what I'm saying now. Very underreached because it wasn't until the year 1986 that they even allowed people like me, people like Crystal, and our family to come in and do anything other than the country's religion. So we're at a rare opportunity where we're able to partner with an existing missionary that's there. The people's name are Wade and Maria Weaver, who we're going to be partnering with, who we're going to work with, we're going to help their church. They've been missionaries, foreign missionaries, for years and years and years. Mexico, Central America, uh, South America, they've been missionaries. But in Spain, they've been missionaries for like 15 years. And they've got this work in Granada going on, where they have done their work. They've done their paperwork, and they've done their stuff to get a church established through the government. Through the government that finally, so many years went by, 
Finally, they're able to have an evangelical Christian church in this city. And so they have this church and believe this. Crystal and I, my wife and I, me as a minister, her as my wife, have been invited by the government to come in as Christian missionaries, as evangelical Christian missionaries. Isn't that awesome? We didn't have to sneak in as teachers. Yeah, give the Lord praise. So the Lord has provided a way for us to go in and to reach a dark place. This is a place where, like I told you a minute ago, people have not heard the message. I follow a fellow that's in his uh, late 60s who's a minister in Spain. I've never met him, but hopefully someday, someday I'll get to. He's one of the few missionaries living in Spain right now. But he said when he stands on the streets and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ alone and believing in him alone for salvation, that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ, and that he also promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When people hear that, they're hearing it for the first time. They don't know what to do with that. It's different, right? It's something they hadn't maybe heard before. Something they hadn't ever heard and they don't understand. And so the field is so very white for a harvest of souls. For a bunch of people in a country that's so loved by our Father to turn from wickedness. To turn from everything that they've got going on in their life and to turn straight to the cross of Jesus Christ. To recognize Jesus Christ as Savior. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a place that's in great need of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's in great need of this gospel. And that's why God is sending us to partner with this ministry and to bring His kingdom to earth. Because anywhere, anywhere, God's kingdom comes to earth, it's attractive. Anywhere that God's presence comes to earth, it's attractive. God is amazing, isn't He? Anywhere that the Holy Spirit's being poured out, it has to catch attention. Anywhere that the message of freedom and truth and love and kindness is being given, it's attractive. And we trust not in our own selves, but we trust in the Holy Spirit to be with us, in us, and work through us. Because we... And you can't convince anybody to give their life to God. You can't do it. You can, I've tried it. You can argue with people. You can tell them. You can answer all their questions. But until a man or a woman chooses to submit their self to God, to step down off the throne of their heart, and to accept Jesus into their life, and to make Him Lord, it'll never work. And all of that happens because the Holy Spirit is well able to convict the world of its sin, to show them a need for a loving Savior, to change their life, to change their heart. I want to look at a piece of Scripture here in Mark, the fourth chapter. We sometimes think, we sometimes think that we've got to do all of this on our own. And you better believe we better be workers. We better be the hardest working church in the whole world. You know what I mean? We better be working hard. We better be doing what God tells us to do. But in, in Mark, the fourth chapter, Jesus brings up a parable. And he's so good at taking things that we understand, earthly understandings, and applying them to something heavenly so that we'll get the picture, right? 
said in one place that Jesus never spoke to him without using a parable. And so here we find a parable, and we know that when Jesus is talking about seed, he's talking about the word of God. And so follow me to Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and I'm in the New King James if you guys wanted to know that. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 26 says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields its crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. And the part I want to look at is how it says in verse 27, well, it says in verse 26, we'll back up. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And many of us have done that. We've thrown grass seed on the ground. Verse 27 says, and should sleep by night and should rise by day. In other words, we threw it down and we went about our life. We scattered the seed and the seed did something. But we sleep by night and we rise by the day. And the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. That's how the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the unbeliever. You sow the seed of the Word of God. You teach salvation by Jesus Christ alone. You stand and you proclaim boldly what God has said. And you can expect the seed of the Word of God to be full able to do the work in a man's heart, in a woman's heart, in the heart of people to do what God wants it to do. Because the seed, you see, is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. The seed is perfect. And when it's put into fertile soil that's ready to receive and the conditions are right, the Holy Spirit uses that Word of God to change a life. Yeah, you may be the presenter. You may be the missionary. You may be the one that chose to open your mouth. You may be the one that took a leap of faith. But the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which is the seed, is full able to bring a lost, hurting, and dying world into the kingdom, into repentance, to recognize their need for a Savior. And so we know that when we present the Word of God, that God's full able to make that seed grow and make that seed work. Some people have told us that Spain is the missionary graveyard because... It's like a place that people have experienced real hard plowing. Never been in a place, I don't know how many farmers we have, but when the plowing's hard, it's difficult, all right? When the concrete's getting hard, it's difficult, I can tell you. It's hard. But we know that in spite of what anybody would ever say, God has told us to do something. And since he's told us to do something, he'll see us through. It's not going to be no missionary graveyard for the Royce family, I can tell you that much, all right? God's going to take care of us and we're going to do something great because he who's in us and with us is so much stronger than he's in the world. And God has a specific purpose. But Spain is a place of great darkness. Europe as a whole is a place that doesn't have much respect for God. But all of those things don't change the fact of what I pointed out here tonight, that the Holy Spirit can change lives. You had a hard heart once upon a time. You were a person caught in sin and iniquity and didn't want maybe to have anything to do with God. 
Or you were a person full of self-righteousness and anger and you never even knew why or what, but you were just upset and angry. You, you could have had anything going on in your life, but you had a hard heart until one day you opened up the door. As Jesus said, anyone who opens up the door, I'll come in and I'll be in him and I'll be with him and their life will be changed. And so the place that we're going to in Spain is going to have lots of lives changed for the message of the gospel. Amen? It's going to be a great thing. It's going to be a great time. I want to tell you a little bit about what we are going to do there as I close tonight. But when we get there, we're going to be partnering with this church. Our precious kids are going to go to public school there. Lots of missionaries don't go to public school because they go to Central America, right? Or Africa or places. That's the schooling's not sufficient. But the, the country of Spain has good schooling, and so our kids are going to go to a school that speaks most likely Spanish only. And so we need you guys to be praying for our kids. They're going to go to a place, and we've been working with them and talking to them, and believe me, everything's going to be good, but we need your prayers. That transition's tough on kids. You, got, you guys know. You guys know what I'm talking about. As a father, as a leader. And so we need your prayers that our kids will be able to handle that school well and that everything will go very good. And then also when we get there, we've been given an apartment. And missionaries run into all kinds of crazy things on the mission field. Just talk to one of them and you'll get the stories. But we found this apartment that's in the same apartment complex as the pastor that we're going to be serving with. And this guy said, yeah, I got the apartment available. You can have it for a month because it's empty, waiting on kids to come back and start school again in September. We said, hallelujah. And he said, how much? And he said, 450 euros. And we said, hallelujah, because everything we've looked at is much more expensive than 450 euros. So this is our first of many possibly crazy missionary stories. Then the guy hunts my friend down a couple weeks later and says, hey, gave you that, I gave you that too cheap. I've got to raise the price. Can you believe that? He said, I gave you that too cheap. I've got to raise the price. And so he raised it uh, like 150 euros. And we're still going to have a place. We're still going to have an apartment. But, you know, it's kind of hard. You don't really do that, right? In America, you don't say this price. And then the next time you see him say a different price, that doesn't work. But you can hear all kinds of stories like that when you talk to missionaries. Um, but anyway, we're going to use that time, that 30 days in that apartment, to find the right apartment for our family to, believe, uh, to live in. So believe with us to be directed, to be shown, to be provided for in the right place for us to live. You know, we've, we need something that's maybe bigger than, you know, a two-bedroom apartment, but we don't know exactly what's going to be available. And so we're just going to be listening to the Holy Spirit, asking God to, to provide us with a, a good place where we can live in safety and we can live in the right area and it'll be for a good price, amen? So that's another one of our prayer needs. And also when we're there, these uh, people that we're going to be working with have asked us specifically to work with the young people. And so they say they've got a lot of young married couples that need uh, discipling and need training and need help and counsel. And so that's what Crystal and I are going to be working with, uh, working with the younger people, maybe doing a cell group situation, something like that. And then a week after we get there, even though we don't know yet all of our different tasks that we'll be involved with in the church, a week after we get there, we're going to go down to the port, uh, down where the Mediterranean Ocean is, and they've got a ministry going on down there to Muslims. Because the Muslims leave, the month of August is like National Vacation Month. You know, other countries, you get like four weeks off, right? No country. Some of you have probably heard that. But it's National Vacation Month. And so all of these Muslims migrate from France and from Spain and from Portugal, and they go down to the ocean and they cross over into Africa to go back and see their family. 
And so the men of God in that place have said, hey, we're going to reach them. We see them all, you know, when you see all the fish coming to one spot, one channel, one place, one funnel, time to go out there and do some work. And so we're going to be going with uh, uh, Brother Wade, and we're going to be going with a bunch of other evangelical Christians in that place, and we're going to go down to the port, and we're going to do a Muslim outreach. So praise the Lord. The Muslims are in need of salvation, just like any other lost person. But what a rare opportunity. We're thankful to get to do outreach in the Muslim culture. We're thankful to do it anywhere, but it's, it's a blessing to be able to be a part of what God's doing. We're thankful for the calling that he's put on our life. You know, when I was a young man, I thought missionaries, I just thought, I don't even know how to describe it. I just thought, how could it be? But I stand here today, I can look back three years in my life and I don't know at that time what it's like to be a missionary. I don't know what it's like to be called of God to go to a foreign mission field. I didn't have a plan to be a foreign missionary three years ago. But then God, because I made him Lord, chose to start telling me something different. He gave me different marching orders. And I can tell you, I could not be happier to be a foreign missionary. I could not be happier to be called of God to sell every single thing that I own and move to what he's told me to do. And to the world, that would sound crazy. What are you talking about? You finally got a home to raise your children in, right? They don't think like we think, right? They don't think with a God kind of thinking of what's really important. You know, because God's really after souls. He's really, when you really look at the heart of God, it isn't about the truck that you drive. When you really look at the heart of God, it isn't about the house that you live in. When you look at the heart of God, His concern is for people. His concern is for me. I'm thankful that He came into my life. But His concern is also for others. And so, well, that's what we're going to be working with. We're going to be working with Muslims when we get there. And we're going to do many other things. And that's a few of the prayer needs we have, along with a safe flight. And uh, I want to tell you as I close and turn it back over to the pastor tonight, thank you again for letting me come. But we have a table set up in the middle of the foyer in the back. And we have this card. And on it has all of our information. Our post office box, which will still be open when we're gone. Our email, our Facebook, my cell phone number. A way for you to get on a site called Continue to Give and set up automatic uh, uh, donations, if that's what God would put in your heart to do, a way for you to give through an online circle. And then this other one right here, it's blue or green, uh, back there in the back has a way for you to put your name and your address and your email address, and you can be a part of our mailing list. We can keep you up to date on what's going on, but by far, the best way to stay connected with us is through Facebook, because we'll be putting stuff on there more often. But if you want to get our, uh, our newsletter, please feel free to fill one of those out. And uh, you can give us half of it and take the rest of it with you. And you can be connected with us if God would put it in your heart to want to know about what we're doing. And so we're blessed. I want to end with that. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful to be a missionary. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm happy to do what God's called me to do. If you think the pastors have it the worst, you don't have to feel sorry for them. Just pray for them. Be glad it's not you or whatever you got to do. But you know... When people are called to do what God's telling them to do, don't be sorry. But be happy alongside us. Be happy. We look at the good things as missionaries. We, me and my kids, we don't talk about the bad. Why would you? So we talk about the good. And there's plenty of good things to look forward to when your life is committed to Jesus Christ. Amen?
on you too, if you don't know him today, and you wonder, what could this guy be talking about? How could, how could that be what his life is? I don't understand. The simple truth is that you can start a relationship with Jesus at any time. You can recommit your, God, your life to Jesus Christ and to God if it's not committed in the way that it should be. And God will come into your life just like he has me and many others and change everything. And it will be a, a great blessing to you. Amen? And the body of Christ say amen to that.